Well, you can take your Bible and go back to Matthew chapter number 14. We're going back to the feeding. We call it the feeding of the 5,000 if it's really feeding of about 20,000. By I figured, you know, it says 5,000 men down in verse 21. You got to add wives and uh, put two kids with that and you come up with 20,000. So uh, I wanted, i tell you what I want to do. I want to read down through here. I, there's some young preachers in the church. I'm going to show you how we how I've divided the scriptures, and then I want to—I want to go to the last point tonight. I, I want to—we have talked about the picture of our age. We've talked about the pattern of the Savior. We've talked about the problem with the disciples. Tonight, I'd like to talk about the servant's work, and uh, so we'll see that verse thirteen. When Jesus heard of it, that is, he heard of the death of John the Baptist. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed the sick. Here's how we divided it, and here's how we preached it. The picture of our age. We live in a very wicked day and a very needful day. These were needy people. They were looking for something that they did not have. They were confused. They were looking for a man and a miracle. And uh, so that was the, when Jesus saw them, then in verse 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. And uh, so it begins the pattern of the feeding. I've got it broken down into... Uh, these points, he went forth, he saw the need, he had compassion, and he met the need. And you'll have to go down to about verse 16 or so for that. But then in verse 15, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, it's a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitudes away that, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, Take, they need not depart, give you them to eat. So I call this the problem of the disciples. Wrong place, wrong time, cost too great. And then we come down to the program of God tonight, beginning in verse 17. No, beginning in verse 16, the last phrase, Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. And here begins 
what I call the program of God for his servants. Give ye them to eat. They say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, took the five loaves, the two fishes, looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. They did all eat. They were filled. They took up the fragments that remained twelve basketful. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Lord, I just ask you to take charge of your word tonight. Help us, Lord, to be uh, just humble-hearted and open-hearted. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us again out of this passage. Help us, Lord, to just look to Jesus as he shows us uh, this tremendous uh, work that's ahead of us. Thank you for him. In his name I pray, amen. So I just kind of want to look through the last point with you, the program for the feeding. See, he says, uh, give ye them to eat. Think about this. I read, I was over in Ezekiel. Ezekiel saw God in chapter 1. Remember that vision that he saw? The wheel in the wheel and the, and the cherubims and holy, holy, holy and all of that in chapter 1 of Ezekiel. And then you go over to chapter 3 down by the river Jabbar. All the, he, Ezekiel was not a first round draft choice. Daniel was. Ezekiel was in the second or third carrying away. Uh, there's four carrying aways of the children of Israel by the Babylonians. He's in the second or third round. And when he got down to the river Jabbar... The people were in chains there. And so he sat in chains. And I I love to visualize it. I I preached preached a message to a a black congregation over in Mississippi a few years ago. On uh, We sat where you sat. Of course, we can ignore it or not, but they did come out of slavery in the United States. And and some of them have got the idea that we never had a problem. But if you'd been one of the captives sitting in chains waiting to go into Babylon, Ezekiel came down and sat down in their midst. He sat where they sat. He was just as much a prisoner as they were prisoners. But God had called him in chapter 1 to deliver a message to that nation. And and you've got to read chapter 3 to get it, but God moved all the machinery of heaven 
out over the river Jabbar. I mean, he moved the wheel in the wheel. And he moved the cherubim. And, and Ezekiel looked up and he said, Well, everything I saw over there in the Holy Land I, is right here. God has moved heaven over here to do a work. He had a work to do through his man. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Think about the tremendous opportunity and privilege it is to be a messenger of God to a lost nation, to a starving people, to a people that are confused and needy, and they need something that only you and I have. You know, we stand out here put the banners out, people stop. Every one of them that stop have some need in their life. Some of them are, Brother Gary found one that was really needy here a while back. And, uh, he is walking around holding his chin the rest of the day, but uh, they, they've got a need. It's only a symptom of that man's need. He doesn't know what he needs. And they don't know what they need. They're confused. That's what we saw. That's what Jesus saw. He said they're sheep without a shepherd. They don't have any direction. They don't know what they need. And somebody down there uh, says, well, uh, put on your boots and we'll have a hoedown and, and you can, that's what you need. That's not what they need. Somebody else said, well, we, we, if we could just be, you know, successful in the business world, or it's drugs or alcohol or a hundred other things, or it's, or it's the lust of my flesh. But that's not what they need. What they need is some fresh bread off the oven of heaven. What they need is what only God can supply. He's gonna, I, I'm going to go to John chapter 6 after a while. Uh, he says there, I am the bread of life. And if you want to get confused, read John chapter 6. When he starts talking about you've got to eat the bread. And, and it's, a, it's a spiritual lesson. It's, it's a pretty stiff pill when he preached it uh, it wasn't accepted by the Jews or by the disciples so I just wanted to say what a what a wonderful thing he could have used he could use any of the machinery he could use he could use an angel sitting on the moon with a loudspeaker reaching the whole world with the gospel he could do it any way that you can imagine. And he could do it any way he wanted to do it. But what he did is he chose disciples. Mark 3.14 said he ordained twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. And he's been doing it that way ever since. It's still done that way. It's not a it's not, a, it's not a welfare program. 
It's not a, a uh, group therapy program. He chose the foolishness of preaching to reach the lost. And friend, you and I have the gospel. I'm not talking about foolishness of preaching off this platform. I'm talking about out there on the streets where they are. He said, you, you gather them up and you organize it. Get them to sit down and shut up. And then you can deliver the message of the bread. Until they sat down, they didn't get bread. Until they got organized. They're, hey, God is a God. Not a God of confusion. God is a God of order. And so... Uh, he chose to use his disciples and uh, the world would say, what a foolish way. You know, we've got this, this uh, isn't it this month that we roll over the, the, I think it's this month, the month of September, it may be October, this world population rolls over to 8 billion people. First time in all. Do you realize this? There's more 8 billion people alive on planet Earth right now. There's more people alive on planet Earth today than have ever lived on planet Earth since God created it. Think about that. You want some responsibility for missions? Think about that. I mean, I can remember when I can remember when they uh, when they were saying that the world population would double in twenty years or thirty years. Now doubling more like five years, six years, ten years, ten years ago. We were talking about 7 billion people, right? And uh, so I don't know how often it doubles. You can look it up and get your, get your Wikipedia out and look it up for yourself. That's the way I learn it. And, uh, but what, here's what it amounts to. 200 people every minute while we're speaking and while we're having church. 200 people are dying and going to hell. They're not dying and going to heaven. 200 lost people every minute while we speak. And of those who profess Jesus' name, that includes every kind and that stripe of religion that's, that, that is built around the name of Jesus. And so you know that some of that's false. So it's more than 200 people a minute going into eternity without Christ. He said, don't send them away. You feed them. You can feed them. That's what he said. He said it to these disciples. He said, I, he said I've chosen those, those uh, folks and I and now I I have, Brother Jim quoted the verses so much. For by grace are you saved, 
through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest we should boast. That's 8 and 9 of Ephesians chapter 2. 10 says, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We've got that, you know, we've got the human viewpoint of God's work on this earth. Human, human viewpoint for every one of us is we got saved to miss hell to go to heaven, right? That's what, that's what I got saved for. But that's not God's viewpoint. God said you, you are now His workmanship and as the new creature in Christ Jesus, the workmanship of God, you are now created unto good works. It, we've got a work to do. That was the whole purpose of God. Ephesians chapter number 3. See if I can find Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read the verse. Verse 21 says, There's so much you could back up. You can back up all the way to have, uh, back, but I'm just going to read this one verse. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We're saved to bring glory to Him. And He's going to say it in the preceding verses. We bring glory to Him as we get into His Word, His will, and do His work. Wouldn't you say so? And and He says it's not done out there, but it's done right here in my church. This, This building is not the church. Sometimes we get kind of sanctimonious about our building, but our building is not the church. It's just a warehouse. So I had an old preacher used to call it a filling station. You could come into the filling station, get filled up, and run a few more miles out up and down the roads out there. Come in, get serviced, get a, get a tire replaced, or whatever you need here. I mean, God's here to fix us up and get us ready for the work. But the glory is all to Him. The glory comes through His people. Well, He called us the church. He ordained the church. And we the church are, the, are now the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ taking this message to the world. I don't know where I'm at in my outline, but Let's go over to 1 Corinthians just a minute. See, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a divine order. It's a, it's a supernatural. He, the servant's work is done, and then the supernatural work is done as we... 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 
Verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It's never been more foolish than it is right now today. I can remember as a boy growing up when lost people who had no idea what that Bible said had an awe and a respect for the Bible, the Word of God, and the people of God, the church, and the man of God, the preacher. It didn't matter. They might not even know what any one verse says, but they they respected the things of God. They had that respect for the... We don't live there now. We're not the home team anymore. We don't live there. He says... He said, he said, it's foolishness unto them which are, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Look down to 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Down in verse uh, 23, we preach Christ crucified, but we preach Christ crucified that is the bread. Read John chapter 6. That is the bread of heaven. He said, I am the bread of life. He, we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. I read that mission letter this morning, that fellow in Lebanon trying to reach uh, reach the Muslims with the gospel. To some of them it's Greek. It's all Greek to me, right? They don't understand it. He's, and what he said was, how long do I have to preach it before they can hear it? How long do I preach it before they'll understand it? And I was, and as and then Brother John got up this morning and started teaching. I asked a couple of questions, and Baptists never answer questions. Answer questions. And he said that, something about stick your finger in a bucket and pull it out, and you'll see how much you're appreciated or how much you've accomplished in your ministry. Something like that. He'll straighten it up next week. But isn't that the truth? Hey, church, we've been on this. We've been on this spot. We've been on this street. Next year will be one hundred years. This church will be have been preaching. What do we preach? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, there's some other stuff goes on, but there's nothing like the Bible and preaching the gospel. But it's foolish. Hey, that bunch out there don't care. We're standing out there handing out Bibles trying to get people saved one morning and a fellow over across the street called us uh, Huh? I, didn't, I can't hear the word. Say it again. Racist. Yeah, racist. He accused us of being out there stirring up Racial strife. Hey, the only place of peace is what is right here where we are at. 
only place for bread is right here. We've got the bread. But they don't understand that. They think Hollywood or Nashville or somebody else has got bread. Or stock market or who knows what. It's foolishness, but it's not foolish. It's the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I rodeoed and played sports and, and was best friends with a young guy. One day the phone rung and his sister said, we need you to come be a pallbearer. Uh, D, he was 25 years old or so. My best friend had died at a rodeo. He had been injured and nobody knew he was injured and he bled to death internally before he could get home from the rodeo. I had a hard nose, tough old, hickory nut, fundamental Baptist preacher when I was in. My dad, we moved to Stinnett, Texas. There's nothing beautiful about that town. I wish. I wish I could say my hometown was a beautiful place. It's just a sand, just kind of, uh, it was an oil field town. It was an oil boom town out there on the sand hills of the Canadian River. Wasn't anything pretty about it. It's, everything had oil marks and oil field marks on it. And there was uh, uh, the best the smoothest place in town was when the road grader would come down and grade our track off so we could run track on it every year. My dad came home. We, we had just moved to that town. I was 13 or 14 years old. And he said, I've found us a church. And so that next Sunday, we had just we were still moving in that, that weekend. The next Sunday, we all went to church. There was a big ditch out along each side of that church. You had to drive down in the ditch and up and park just like this. If you, were, if you were overweight, you didn't want to sit in the back seat of one of them old cars, you wouldn't get out. But you, once you got out, it was a World War II barrack building with half the tar paper on it. Half of it had been blown off. It had been used for some kind of office in the oil field, and, and it was ragged out. And that was our church. You walk inside, it's got homemade, bench, homemade benches. There's a stove back there in the back, one of them old uh, space heaters. You could sit back there and burn up, or you could sit up here and freeze to death, either way, whichever way you wanted it. That was our church. But the worst part was that hillbilly 
country preacher who was so dogmatic. I, I, me and old D got to be good friends. And I could go over to church with D every once in a while, and his preacher would tell jokes and cut up with us, and they could, they'd even go down in the basement and have a dance. I thought it was so cool. But if I brought my friend to church, see, at our church, the young people, Brother, Brother Jackson said, no further back in the second row. And the first two rows of the, that auditorium was for youth. And I knew before we got there what Brother Jackson's going to do when I bring D in. We come in, sit down here, and Brother Jackson's going to preach right here. He's got his Bible in his hand, and he's pouring it on just like this. I got the phone call. I imagine we were somewhere between 25 and 30 years old. And my best friend had died. We'd done everything together. We'd went to church together. But I never had one time told him what I knew about how to be saved. Not once. My heart was broken. And I got on a plane and flew to Amarillo, Texas. My dad picked me up and he said, uh, there's a barbecue place over here. We can go there and eat. Do you want to go there first or do you want to go over to the funeral home? I said, I want to go to the funeral home. We drove up to the funeral home. My dad said, do you want me to go in with you? Or do you want to go in by yourself? I said, I want to go in by myself. You young people ought to listen to me. I walked into that room and there was a 25-year-old cowboy that should have lived till now. He was in that casket in that funeral home all alone. Just me and him. I got down beside that funeral home and apologized to him and to God for the kind of witness I had been to him all through our high school days. We were good old boys. We didn't, we did, I don't think we were too bad, but we did, we wasn't too good either. You understand it? I had never one time given the gospel. Not my, that day, I realized the value of that old hardneck, tough pastor that I had. 
if D's in heaven, he didn't get there by dancing in the basement of the, of the other church. He didn't get there by listening to the jokes from the preacher. If D's in heaven, he had to have got there by the gospel that Clarence Bishop preached to him. Clarence, no. Jackson preached to him when I would get him to church every once in a while. That's all. They said, when they preached his funeral, they said that they were using scriptures that he had, had his Bible open to. His wife said he read his Bible regularly. I hope he was saved. I sure do want to see him, but his only hope. You can read John chapter 6. I've got a bunch of verses over there. Jesus said, my body is broken for you. My body is the bread of heaven. And if you'll eat me, believe on me, trust in me, that's the way I interpret that. I'll give my blood for you, I'll give my body for you, and it is the bread of heaven for you. You can accept it and be saved and go to God's heaven. You, but if you accept it, you become my servant. I already preached that this morning. My workmanship. As my workmanship, you are created unto good works. You eat my bread, that bread becomes the life-giving bread that will take you all the way to heaven. Well, in John chapter 6, I'm out of my outline, but I'm not going to try to get back there. See, in verse 18 of our text, Jesus said, bring them to me. Bring them hither to me. He's talking about the five loaves, two fishes. In John 6, he talks about, he said, he said to his disciples, you, you, you follow me not because of the miracles even, but because you ate my bread and were filled. I don't know how to get to all this supernatural work, but he said, bring them to me and 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 so they he commanded the multitude to sit on the grass, took the five loaves, two fishes, looked up to heaven, he he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples. Hey, you read your Bible on the road to on the road to Emmaus, how'd they recognize him? He blessed and break. That's the mark of him. I don't, when we come in, we come in with all the thorns of this world on us. I've got those rose bushes that I hate over in front of my house. 
You know, they're beautiful when they bloom. That's one day out of a month. The rest of the time, if you go near them, they're going to snag you. And you try to trim them, you'll find out what it's really like. You'll get those thorns all over you. It, I, I don't know what it's a... It, we, it, it may not... I don't think it's a heavenly bush. I think it's a worldly bush. But when he touches it, I mean when the, when the dew falls and the, and the moisture's right and the sunshine, there's nothing like a rose. When it opens, well, Jesus is saying, I'm bread. And the, the, John chapter 6 says that the Jews begin to mumble and murmur about it. Well, he's talking about being a cannibal, eating, eating his body. That, that doesn't sound right. That's something wrong with his theology, Pharisees said. And if you... If you, I want to show you this, John chapter 6. Down in 41, the Bible said, Then the Jews murmured. Here's what they murmured about. 38. Well, let's start with 35. That's the starting place. 35 says, I am the bread of life. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Get this. Get this, Christian. They sung that song, said, I don't tell it enough. I don't pray enough. But I need him today. That's where we are. That's where every Christian we hadn't told it enough. We haven't read it enough. We haven't prayed it enough. But we need him today more than we needed him yesterday. We need him right now like never before. You understand that? You don't have to nod your head. You can, but down in your heart, you got it, didn't you? I've got to have him. I've got to have him to work in my life. I cannot be successful without him. I can't make enough money to be successful without him. I can't live enough, find enough. I can't drive a great car and be, if, if it's without him, I am hungry in my soul. You see that? But he says, when you have me, it doesn't matter who you are. I, Susie and I, been for 20-something years, we went twice a year to Mexico. I'll never forget one of the, one of the deacons down there at the church. He always, they looked like a million dollars every time they came to church. They were polished up, cleaned up, dressed up. They had the right tie, the right... They just looked great. But she was sick. And we went to their house. And it was a tin shed in Matamoros, Mexico. 
hottest place in the state of Texas is right across the border. They had a one-room tin shack. She had a mattress on the floor. It was, we went in to visit her and pray with her. It was so hot that we were steamy by the time we got through praying. She was there. She was sick in that. It, did it have a dirt floor, Susie? Had a dirt floor. Do you know what she would have said? You can lock me up in prison, throw away the key, bind me by my hands and feet, give me nothing good to eat. As long as I have Jesus, I still go free. She was she she was laying there with a with a her complexion was changed and she was she was desperately sick. But what she wanted to do was laugh and talk about Jesus with us. And and we came we were the ones came away encouraged. She had enough bread to spare, and she just spilled a little, little on us out of that. We're a spoiled bunch, aren't we? I mean, I'll come, but the air conditioner better be working. And they better not turn them fans on in the wintertime. And, you know, we're, that's who we are. If all the conditions are right, I'll be there. But if I stub my toe, don't look for me. I had a lady in, down in Alvin one year. Uh, I called her. She, they were some of our faithful people. I called her and I said, I missed y'all this morning. I just wondered about you. She said, well, Brother Wayne, we had frost on our porch this morning. We couldn't get to church. I don't know what they do up there in Michigan and Wisconsin, places like that, when they get something on top of the frost. That, that's pretty bad there. Wouldn't you say? So he said, I'm the bread of life. And he says it over and over again. Down, th- I've got it marked, but I'm not going to go there. Look at 40. Verse, let's see. Let's, we're starting in 35. I'm the bread of life. 36, I said unto you that you... You've seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to to me, and him that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. You tell your your Calvinist friend that this verse is in your Bible. All that'll come unto me I'll in no wise cast out. Get that down in your heart. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which sent me, that of all which he's given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. Let me skip on down. Verse 44. No man can come of me and accept the Father which has sent me drawing, and I'll raise him up at the last day. It's written in the prophet. And uh, verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath Verse 47, hath everlasting life. That's present tense. Everlasting life starts right here, right now. 
present tense. 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man will eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I'll give is my flesh, and I'll give it for the life of the world. Down in verse number 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And he goes on to say it again and again and again, all the way down through 51, 53, 54, 55, 6, 7, 8. And verse 60 says, look at here. Now we're not talking about the Jews. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It's the spirit that quickness, the flesh profit nothing. What he said was, when I describe this as the bread of life, I'm talking about that heavenly bread that takes you to heaven when you trust me and believe on me. When I rise out of here, I'm going home to make you a place. That's the bread I'm talking about, bread of eternal life bread from that time 66 many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him and he said will you also go away and Peter said the great words Lord to whom shall we go thou hast the words of life And he's going to say, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word won't pass away. You better get a hold of this book. You better come to the book. You better eat of that bread and carry the bread with you. That's what God's, hey, are you saved? That's what God's called us to do. And so he blessed there's, a, there's hundreds of places we could talk about where he, he blessed the little children. He blessed, he blessed blind eyes. He blessed uh, crippled. Uh, he blessed a demoniac filled with devils. He blessed. Hey, he blessed. I remember a day when I was at my wit's end and desperate, and he blessed. And I got saved in Hereford, Texas little old dusty town on the outside of nowhere and nobody ever heard of it and but he blessed and I'm saved 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 hallelujah I'm saved I'm glad to be saved but sometimes he breaks I've got a whole outline on that. I'm not going to go to the cross. Sometimes he breaks. And if he hasn't, if you're not, if you hadn't got far enough on your loaf yet, 
It's, it's not all just eating and fellowshipping. It's walking. Did you hear that song? There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. The chorus says, O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us, hold this crowd in Metropolitan Baptist, hold us who wait before you. Near to the heart of God. Hold us up close enough that the blessings will roll. Hold us up close enough that our soul will be fed. Hold us up there until we know we've been in your presence. And do a work in us. Because there's a whole crowd out there that that counts at foolishness. And we've got to take the bread to them. That's what God, you shall, here's our verse, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. Verse 21 said, they gathered up 12 baskets. They started out with one, one loaf for every thousand men. Think about this. They end up with one basket for every disciple. Probably eat a year on that broken bread and, and broken meat that he supplied them. No tell them where he's going to take us to. Yes, there's days of tears. Yes, there's struggles. Yes, there's sorrow. But thank God, there's the day when he just blesses and works. He was, he was singing this morning, whistling, it's still the blood. He took me back to that day that I walked into that Cherokee Indian church. And those sisters, those three sisters sung in the Cherokee language. It's still the blood. We were in a pole barn about the size, not near as big as our foyer. God met with us that week. We had I've come as close to real revival with that group of Indian people in nothing as I've ever been. God met with us. God spoke to us. See, he doesn't need these chairs. He doesn't need new hairdos and ties, suits. He needs hearts that are ready to take part in that bread of heaven and get a load and carry it up there to a lost world that thinks it's foolish. And just keep giving out the bread. 
That's his plan for the servants. That's the work of the servants. You're looking for more than that. It's not an executive office. It's not a, it's not a computer screen. It's not just recognition with, you know, we was out there one day working. I, I told him, I said, I don't know where my tie is, but I'm ready to find my tie. We was out there working on the back somewhere. That's sweating and stuff. I, I was ready for a tie. Get me back in the pulpit. Right? We're just here to feed. That's what he brought us for. If you've never been saved, you need to get a hold of that broken body and that blood at the cross of Calvary. He'll save you. I, had good, I used to have a friend. He said, I'm so saved it's pitiful. I couldn't get, he said, I couldn't get unsaved if I wanted to. He'll, he'll save you till it's pitiful. He'll so, he'll so save you that you'll never want to be anything but saved. And that bread will become the most important thing in your life. If you let him. A place near to the heart of God. That's where we need to go to, isn't it? He'll do his work through us if we'll let him do it. See, we can't do it. He does it. Don't miss out. Don't wait too long. Do what God's calling you to do right now. Let's stand. Father, I pray you've had your way here tonight. Lord, I know it's been kind of scattered. I just ask you to have your way in our hearts. Thank you for this tremendous passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for a Savior who loved us in spite of ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that if we'd accept it, he'd give us everlasting life right now. Lord, take charge of us. Help us. Help us to humble our hearts and open our hearts and seek your face and let you do in us and with us just what you'd like to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While we're singing, why don't you do business with him? Nobody here but us? Just go ahead and help yourself tonight.
Bill's going to come and dismiss uh, the ladies going to work here tomorrow and uh, visitation and door knocking Tuesday and Wednesday night we no telling what we'll do and uh, anyway we got a busy week <clears throat> that old farmer went in the place to get his boys up on Monday morning he said get up boys get up today's Monday next day's Tuesday next day's Wednesday Week's half gone, we ain't got nothing done yet. So here we are. All right, our song of dismissal, open our eyes.